0: Romans chapter 10, let let me read you, beginning at verse 5, and I'd like to read you through verse 8. And uh, that's where we left off last week, Uh, actually we, or not last week, but the last time we were together, we looked at verse 5. Let me read that. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Gang, um, this can be a tricky little text right here, but I, I'm telling you, it's. I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, at least I, I think I got it. I think I understand it, and uh, whereas you think, well, what is going on there? I think if you'll stay with me, but <laughs> to understand it, we're going to have to look at two Old Testament passages. Now, that's what makes this Bible study so long, uh, that is, <laughs> in in terms of duration, because here we're going to look at this. Why don't you just comment on verse 6 and let's move to verse 7, dodo? And now you're going to take us back to Deuteronomy 30. And, and But, guys, I'm suggesting... That the key to understanding verses 6, 7, and 8 of Romans 10 lies in Deuteronomy 30. And, by the way, that's what this is. This is a quote almost. It's not an exact quote. But what Paul is saying, he's drawn from Deuteronomy 30. I mean, I just didn't figure out, oh, I bet that's from Deuteronomy 30. No. If you've got a little thing about cross-referencing in your Bibles, you'll find it right there, Deuteronomy 30. It's right there in your cross-references. And I looked at mine and said, ooh, I better look back there. And so I did. And and it is the key. And um, um Jason, uh, Dale, could I get that board? Um, Thank you. Um, That's the key to understanding Romans 10. And it can be a little bit tricky, um, but I don't think it's, I think, I think you'll get it, and and I think it will delight you to get it, and I think you will exhilarate to get it, so kind of bear with me. By the way, I need to say this, too. Next week, we have a congregational meeting. You all know that. Um, uh, I used to, uh, we used to have the meeting, you know, do the vote, and then I'd stand up here and act like a nincompoop for, you know, 30 minutes while they counted the the ballots and then then we'd give you the results and everybody went home. You know we didn't do that last year. We're not going to do it this year. I you know we're gonna we're gonna vote and then uh, I'm going to go back to Romans 10 and then when they get through they'll come out and I'll announce it. We'll go home. So we're gonna we'll probably have to finish this up next week. So but for the time being let's see if we can't sort this out. Now guys I, I said this to you two weeks ago but r- remember this. What Paul is doing in this new section, beginning in verses 5 and going through verse 10, he is comparing, he is contrasting the law and the gospel as ways of salvation. Look at verse 5. Remember, um, Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on law. Now look at verse 6. But the righteousness that is based on faith. Do you see what he's doing? He's contrasting those two. Righteousness based on law, and that's what we looked at two weeks ago. That's in verse 5. Now he's saying, um, this is what righteousness that is based on faith looks like. That's in verse 6 through verse 8. A righteousness that is based on faith looks like this. In contrast, in comparison to a righteousness based on law, um, The righteousness that's based on faith looks like this. Now, righteousness based on law looks like this, and that's what we looked at two weeks ago. But a righteousness that's based on faith, it looks like this. And those two things are mutually exclusive. You, you don't, you don't start with faith and then you add a little, um, um, law. Um, you don't start with law and then add a little faith. There are no combinations of those two guys. It doesn't go like this. Faith plus works equals heaven. It doesn't go like that. And and people, you know, it doesn't write like that either, does it? Um, I punched the button. Uh, people do all kinds of things with... Oh my, there it is. Uh, they put baptism in here and um, confirmation and... Um, Guys, there are two choices that you have. It is ultimately justification by works versus justification by faith. That's the only two options that exist. And in this little subsection of Romans 10, he's comparing those two. And he told you justification by works in verse 5, looks like this. And then he says, if you obey the law fully as interpreted by Jesus, you know you'll live. We, we talked about that. But now he comes in verse 6 and says, justification by faith looks like this. And then he launches into this very weird, uh, I think at least... When I first read it, I thought it was weird. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you thought, "Well, that's very, very, very sensible." Well, I didn't. Um, gang, um, this. Remember, we we talked about this two weeks ago. In in this path to salvation, the summary word is the word "done." Christ has done all the doing. The summary word over here is the word "do." Um, this path to salvation suggests do 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 do, and this path to salvation suggests it's been done for you, and and it's left to you now to do the believing. Um, but that is the only choices that you have. I don't care what you call this, you can call it Islam, you can call it Buddhism, you can call it Taoism, you can call it Jehovah's Witnesses, you can call it Mormonism, whatever you call it. It's all this. Why do those kids ride those bicycles up to your house on Saturdays? Boo. By the way, it's some very impressive doing, is it not? It sure makes us ashamed we wouldn't get on a bicycle and tell anybody about Jesus, although they're not telling anybody about Jesus, but why do you think they're doing that? Because it's a justification by works. These two things are mutually exclusive and you don't add a little bit of this in here um, to that. You don't do that. Now, um, a a righteousness that is based on faith, verse 6, looks like this, having been, Having concluded that I'm my my situation is hopeless by trying to save myself by law, here's the other option. Verse six and following, and guys, this is where you find that great statement uh, in verse ten. Um, no, verse nine. If you confess with your mouth and believe the Lord in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you. We're going to get to that later. Actually, that'll be after January. But um, um, th- 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 that Paul is saying. The, the path of justification by faith looks like this. This is what it looks like. And to, to describe it, he goes to Deuteronomy 30 to describe it. Now, guys, I didn't make that up. Like I said, look in your little cross-references and there you'll see it. Deuteronomy 30 verses 12. I got it right there in mine. And, and then it's down there again. And it, it's in yours too. But now, gang, let me let me warn you. Paul doesn't quote them exactly, but he does pretty much quote them. But verses 6, 7, and 8 of Romans 10 are drawn from Deuteronomy 30, though not exactly. He's not quoting, but he is drawing his thoughts of Romans 10 from Deuteronomy 30. Have you got that down? Because if you can keep your finger um, you can keep Romans 10 open. Now we're going to have to go over to Deuteronomy 30. And this is fun, guys. This is, this is fun. I hope, I hope I can make it fun for you because this is, this is great. Um, look at, um, uh, look at Romans 10, 8. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Look at Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 14. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and is in your heart. You see that? Paul got verse 8 right out of Deuteronomy 30:14. Okay? Uh, so I want you to see that, that connection. But don't forget, he is comparing and contrasting two paths of salvation. A path that says you work your way into it. The other one that says you, you, you get in there by faith. Okay, so don't forget that contrast that's going on. Um, Okay, guys. Uh, So we're going to spend much of our time now (laughs) over in Deuteronomy 30. Why don't you just tell us, Jimmy, we can move on. But guys, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to miss Deuteronomy 30. It's wonderful. Okay, notice in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30. um, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Moses, by the way, Moses wrote Deuteronomy. I think you all know that. Moses knows that there's something more than law-keeping required. You're going to need a new heart. Now, getting that is going to look like what? What's it going to look like? Um, Look with me at verse 11 of Deuteronomy 30. Um for this commandment that I command you today, by the way, notice he commands it is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. Now Paul quotes that. What the world, what in the world is Paul doing? Because what Paul is doing is what Moses is doing. You understand what Moses is doing, you understand what Paul is doing. That's the fun part. You get you get Deuteronomy 30. You get Romans ten, okay. Um, Moses says it's not too hard for you. <coughs> Pardon me, and it's not too far off. Um, uh, n- notice in verses uh, sixteen, he says, um, uh, "If you obey the commandments of the Lord." No, 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 no. That's not what I want. I want, I want verse fourteen. Uh, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. He's saying that um, what you're going to need for that circumcised heart over in verse six is very plain. It's very clear. It's it's set right out before you. It's a it's a command that is it is not far off. It is near. It is it's not too hard. It's not far off. It's near. Now what's he alluding to? Now guys. Here's where I think that this just will, I think it will turn a light on the text, I think. Gang, any of you who have any kind of exposure to ancient literature, you if you ever saw, like I did, if you ever saw the movies with Kirk Douglas and Ulysses and, and the, the Cyclops and the, and the, the sailing past the, the, uh, the Isle of the Fairies, if you ever saw any of that as a kid, you know what I'm about to say is, is true. All ancient cultures believed that, that the secrets of heaven, that truth was found in the heavenlies, and it was protected and it was guarded by the gods. And the gods were, were reluctant and they were, they were, they were remote. And to, and to get what was truth or, or to obtain salvation, you had to coax them. You had to coax it out of them some way. You had to, you had to prove yourself worthy to get it. So, so to get what was really important, you had to labor over finding the truth or, or you, um, or you had to labor over pleasing the gods and and placating them and and obtaining salvation because it was was stuck up in the heaven with those remote gods who reluctantly wanted to depart with it. Paul counters, or Moses counters, whichever one you... But Paul counters in verse 6 of Romans 10. He says, "Um, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart... Who will ascend to heaven? Do you understand that? Don't be telling yourself that to, that, that to find what's necessary in this path of faith, that you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to do some kind of heroic effort to get yourself into the heaven so that you can, you can drag it down. You don't have to be some kind of elite sophisticate to, um, to, to get this thing. No, 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 no. It's near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's revealed. It's not, it's not tucked away in some heavenly cave. No, no, no. It's revealed right here in this book. And this book is more, is more accessible. There's more copies of this thing in the world today. It's in every hotel that you've ever been in. It's more accessible. You don't have to, Groan and climb your way up into heavens and, and coach the gods to give you some little tidbit of truth. No, no, it's, it's near you. You don't have to go to heaven to get it. No, because this, this thing that's necessary, it's near you. Sure, there, there are all kinds of intellectually complex things in this book. Yes. And I love it because there is. But the core truths of this book, they're simple, and they're often repeated, and they're very accessible. As as compared to those pagan Greek gods, which say, if you're going to get it, you're going to have to work hard to get it. Moses says, no 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 no, no. It's not far off. It's near you. You don't have to go to the heavens to get it. No. I remember Steve Brown, one of my one of my heroes, Steve, used to say, God doesn't say much in his word, but what he does say, he says it quite frequently. The, the, the core message of this book is in here repeatedly again and again in every place you turn it's in there yea even the song of solomon it's it's everywhere it's not remote god is not reluctant to give it to you it's 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 accessible but you know what guys our generation modern people they would prefer it they would like it better if it were more complex so because that way they could pride themselves on on discovering it and, 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 um, and laboring over it and, and, and accomplishing the great feat and, 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 um, and earning it. They don't like it that it's like this. They want to be told, do this and this and this and this, and then you'll be fine. And he says, I can do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And they have fooled themselves into thinking that they've done it. Now, so our culture doesn't like being told this because this doesn't require of them heroic deeds. This one does. And so they say, well, you want a two-year missions requirement for everybody that goes to uh, college? I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll, and I'll buy my own bicycle and I'll get my own name tag. Because if that's what the gods want, I'll do it. Moses says, no, no, no. No, it's, um, it's not up in the heavens. It's near you. Now, one other thing I want you to see, guys. Go back to Deuteronomy 30. Um, Deuteronomy 30, verse 13. Moses says this. I want you to notice. Um, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Now gang, store that thought. You know, I think you've heard this before. the sea in the scriptures always represented death and destruction and chaos. The sea was a scary place. I mean, it was scary all the way up to, you know, Christopher Columbus because people thought they're going to just drop off the sides of it. But the sea was um, was a chaotic place where monsters existed that no one had ever seen and nor, nor, nor dared dream of. And Moses says, don't say that it's beyond the sea, that you're going to have to traverse the sea to get it, as if you have to go on some quest. Now, guys... When Paul got ready to write that, back over in um, verse uh, 7, he does not use the word sea. He uses the word abyss. Uh, Who will descend into the abyss? But the point is the same. Death, destruction, chaos equals abyss. Death, destruction, chaos equals sea. So, Paul is saying the same thing that Moses is saying. Um, The the, the notion behind what Moses is saying is this. That you don't have to go on some quest, slay some dragon, um, conquer some cyclops if you're ever going to get it. No, 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 no. You know, guys, um, I I was a huge, and still am, um, huge Indiana Jones fan. Um, I, when, when, when I was doing singles at central, I used to, I mean, somebody bought me one of those hats, um, that Indiana Jones wore and a, and a whip. And, and I used to come to the Tuesday night Bible study with my hat on and my whip. And it was just, it, I just loved You remember that, don't you? I mean, the writers of the lost Ark and, but the, but the best one of them all well i don 't know I think the first one was the best one, but the one that, that illustrates my point best is, is the third one remember when Sean Connery, his father, he was the big archaeologist and and i I forget the name of it, but it was the Holy Grail I, It was in the title somewhere they were they were going to have to go off and, and go to the get the holy Grail. you remember that and so and you know they had all these little clues as to you know you had to step off the cliff and you know and it 's the breath of God. Don't you remember all that? those special effects? I mean, goodness gracious, we're, how old are you people? Um, I mean, it was just a, by the way, the ark is in a warehouse in Washington, D.C., and I just know it is. Um, but anyway, I, that's the idea. Moses says, don't say that you have to go to this, across the sea to get it. No, no, no. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. You don't have to slay some dragon as if eternal life is something that you win, that it's, that it goes to the conqueror, the one, uh, who's, who's proved his worth because he succeeded where all others failed. And to get it, says, um some, you got to labor for it. You have to go and search for it. You have to go across the sea or slash the abyss and, and risking life and limb and, and um, going where no other mortals have gone. And, and if you do that, then you'll get it. Moses says, you don't have to go beyond the sea to get this. Um, uh, Verse 14, but the word is very near you. Look, it follows right on the heels of verse 13. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we should hear it and do it. Uh, but the word is very near you. You don't have to go on some quest. Um, it's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's, it's only those who think that by their courageous efforts, remember we're trying to contrast those two things? It's only those who believe that by their courageous efforts that God will be pleased and will say, You, you have succeeded where all the rest have failed. Come into your eternal rest. And Moses says, No, it's not far. It's near to you. You don't have to go to the sea, you don't have to strap yourself to the mast so that the siren voices cannot woo you onto the island. You don't have to bypass Scylla and Charybdis. No! But that's what, that's the image that Paul is using concerning this path to salvation. Which is saying, do a great deed. Go a great distance. Win the prize. Excel all others. Do this. And live. And Paul says, that's that path. But this path. It's not far from you. It's near to you. you. You don't have to you don't have to go to the heavens and drag it down and bend God's arm so that He'll give you some little tidbit of truth. No, no, no. It's very accessible. Everything that you need to know about this, God, is is in your mouth. It's in your heart. Faith is, or or this path, is not suggesting that you do any of this. Because this is the thing. I mean, when, when Indiana Jones finally walked across that big open space and, and he opened the door and there's that guy that's a 940 years old and he says, I've been waiting for you. Indiana Jones won. He got the Holy Grail. Actually, he had to make one more, you know, good choice because he had to pick out the one which the one the carpenter would use. You remember that? Had all these little chalices on the little ledge, and he says, "Now, which one would the carpenter use?" Remember that? Oh, that was great. And you remember um, they had all the bejeweled ones and the fancy ones and the gold ones and the silver ones, and there was this there was this crummy one that was sitting there, and and, and Indiana Jones is saying, "I know that carpenter." That carpenter wouldn't have had that one with the jewels on it. Or the gold or the silver one. He would take this, this very humble one. This very, this very mean one. This, this very simple and inexpensive one. So he grabs that one and, yay! Way to go, Indiana! You did it! All the other idiots, they didn't figure it out, but yay for Indiana! You did it! Yay! Dang, that's justification by works. All of those people are saying, "Yeah, I did it. Good for me." Oh, you other idiots! No, you didn't go on a two-year mission journey, did you? No, no, you didn't get baptized by immersion like me, did you? No, gang, it's all a celebration of human accomplishment. And Paul says, it's not far. It's near to you. You don't have to go to the abyss. It's it's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Gang, is that not glorious? Is that not just delightful? Very frankly, I don't know of another passage where the Apostle Paul draws from. Well, I guess, well, I guess he didn't. He drove from Moses, but I don't know of another place where Paul does something like this. And what he, all he's trying to do is, I told you, he's trying to compare this with this. This Pat says there's cyclops and there's monsters and there's dragons and there's, and there's, uh, but at the end, if you stick with it and you try hard enough and you give your money and you teach a Sunday school class and you go on a two-year mission and, and you, you stay faithful to your husband and, and yada, 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 then they're going to be standing up in heaven and they're going to be saying, da, 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 da. they're going to celebrate the hero that has finally conquered all that was necessary to conquer so that he could be admitted into his heavenly glory. this this is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved what kind of God has a bar of of salvation solo this one any sinner can have this one Not over here. I mean, you might have got yourself a DWI. I'll yeah, get you out of this one. Or you might have got, you might have done some, you might have had a, an affair. By the way, guys, when I, when I say those things, I'd by no means want to encourage you in any way. That's wicked, it's sin, it's grievous, it's ugly, it's horrible, and I hope you know that I believe that. But I'm telling you, it won't keep you out of heaven. And, and all this punishment, that you have performed on yourself because you blew it. I'm sorry you blew it. And there will be consequences. Consequences in terms of your marriage, your family, your life. Yes, yes, yes. Sin has consequences. But it does not preclude you from enjoying an eternity of felicity and bliss. Any sinner can have this one. Only the Indiana Joneses of the world can have this one. I have this wonderful illustration of this whole thing. And it comes from 2 Kings 5. And if you want to read that, but we don't have time for it tonight. Next week, that's what we'll look at. We'll look at 2 Kings 5, another Old Testament passage, as we try to understand what Paul is doing at Romans 10, verses 6, 7, and 8. You know, guys, do you know what a privilege it is for me to do this? Do you know how much thrill I get of trying to, understand this so that you can understand it this is my and I but I hope you get it. I mean I hope you didn't sleep because I'm telling you that's that's just glorious and I hope you saw it I hope I didn't make it clear um muddy for you let's go ahead <clears throat> father we thank you for a message we thank you for a salvation that is available to any sinner somebody as wicked as Jimmy Young somebody who's broken somebody who is inconsistent somebody who is uh, flawed and um this salvation of yours is one where we don't celebrate merit. We celebrate Christ. And for those of us who know how sinful we are, oh, what a grand celebration it is to celebrate what Christ, the Christ who went into the abyss for us, the Christ that crossed the sea and won the prize and slayed the dragons, all on our behalf, what a Savior he is. We thank you for doing what you've done for people like us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks and good night.